Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Good morning. Hi, church. I am so excited to be here with you this morning. All right, will you do me a favor? Get on the edge of your seat for me. Get set, get set, I mean it. Lean forward in your seat. Okay, I just want you on the edge of your seat while I preach to you this morning. No, don't lean back, stay there the whole time. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. I am going to dive into one of my favorite scriptures Psalm 119, 105. So if you have your cell phone and you got a Bible app, go ahead and pull it out. If you've got the old school paper edition of your Bible, pull it out. Turn to Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is why we have called today's message, Fuel Your Lamp. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the God who lights our path, who lights our life, who develops us, changes us, challenges us, transforms us. God, we open up our hearts that you would shine that light, that we can get rid of things in our hearts that we may not even know is there. But also, God, that we would have a heart that is ready to receive your word, to let it take root and to grow to fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Have you ever navigated your house in the middle of the night? It's pitch black. And I always picture like a home alone, booby-trapped like house environment. And in my house, you would get Legos and Barbies. You would get backpacks. And you would get flip-flops. Thank you, Kayla. And um, have you ever noticed that a flip-flop, you don't trip on a flip-flop and attacks you? I don't, I don't know how I manage to hurt myself so much, but it's always a flip-flop. <laughs> and my daughter is feeling shy right now. So one night, Dan, it was Dan's turn to take the dogs out because that's what dogs do. They dominate your night time hours like infants do. And it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. Dan's taking the dogs out and doesn't turn the lights on because he's navigated our house for 10 years. And from across the house, I hear him make this very manly grunting sound. I'm going to try it. Ugh! And there may have been a cuss word in there that, that he bit back just a little bit. That's, yes, the pastor of our church, but he's my husband. So I hear things you guys don't hear. So <laughs> he had navigated the house and because it was dark, he connected with our coffee table, which may have folded the kneecap back or snapped a couple toes. It was the latter. He, he, he folded over those toes, broke those two toes on that foot. Now, fortunately, I didn't take him to the emergency room. But the funny story demonstrates something very similar in our spiritual lives. When we are walking in the dark spiritually, we have the danger of hurting ourselves. 
For many of us, it seems that though daylight shines and we have things to do, people to see, meetings to go do, we might find ourselves walking in the darkness. We don't know where we're going or what we're doing. And because of that, we risk getting hurt spiritually. Now, as Christians, we don't like to admit this. We don't like to admit that we might be in a dark season because we feel like it demonstrates that maybe there's something wrong with us. Maybe we've got a hidden sin. Or possibly God's disappointed with us. Or maybe a shameful lack of faith. Does this ring a bell to anybody else? You don't have to raise your, raise your hand. Just, just think about it. But we don't like to admit it because we feel like if we did, that would tell people, there's something wrong with me. Well, newsflash, there's something wrong with all of us. And we will not be perfect until we go to heaven. But we all get hit with this kind of discouragement, disappointment, and even disorientation at times. We just need to learn how to handle it. And again, because this happens to all of us, let me just throw myself under the bus. I'll be the first one to admit it. I've gone through dark seasons before. I'd been a Christian for about 15 years, and I got hit with one of these seasons. I had a friend betray me very deeply. A little bit later, about two months later, one of our coworkers was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and then two days following that diagnosis, my father-in-law suffered a massive heart attack, and we weren't sure if he was going to make it. So it felt like all of the lights went off in my life. I was frustrated, confused, certainly disappointed, dare I say hopeless, fearful, and none of us want to hear this one, I was doubting. I asked all these questions of God, why me? Why did this happen to me? And because we all have human nature, God, what are you going to do about it? Right? So, have you ever found yourself in the dark? Again, don't raise your hand. You don't have to do that. But the good news is that God encourages us through his word. We can hold tight. We can hold fast to that encouragement, that good word. John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We live in a dark world. That's not a newsflash to any of us. However, if we have chosen to follow Jesus, we have the light of the world. We have the light of life. So, how do we shine the light? We shine the light by being in the word of God. Letting his word, letting his light shine onto the path that he has us on. The problem is that there's too many of us as believers who don't study the Bible. We don't study the word. We're not immersed in it. That's a big, glaring problem. Now, we might read the Bible periodically or occasionally. We might listen to it periodically. But many of us wouldn't be able to say, yeah, I'm letting that light my path. 
every believer should study the Bible consistently because the word lights our path. Now, when it lights our path, it's going to do three things. It guides us. It develops our faith. And it draws us closer to God. We study the Bible on a consistent basis so that we can navigate this dark world and anything that we encounter. So there is historical and cultural context that I want to shine some light on for you. <laughs> get, the, get the pun? I'm only going to do one, I promise. <laughs> Somebody just got it. Awesome. In this day and age, in the modern world, even when it's dark outside... Our cities are well lit. We've got traffic lights. We've got street lights. Our cars have lights on them. We have high beams. There's light. Even when it's dark outside, we, we're still in the light. But in the cultural context of when this was written, if a person was on a journey and they go from point A to point B, there were no street lights. They didn't have cars and car lights. Instead, what they would have had is a clay lamp And can you guys show me the clay lamp? Okay. So this very traditional clay lamp has a reservoir where you would fill with pure olive oil. There's a wick that draws it up and then you would light it. So this is a glorified candle. But it would have that reservoir of oil. So what that would do is that would cast a little pool of light around the traveler, around the person who was taking the walk. This was not a 5,000 watt mag light, NASA rated whatever from an infomercial that casts light like a high beam that way, we're talking, it's really, it was really just a candle. And because of that, I want to show you just a little bit how dark it would be. Turn your cell phones off for me, because I know some of you have your cell phones out. It happened last service, I promise. All right, Tech, would you go ahead and hit the lights for me? So what would have happened, even though this is an LED light, it would have just cast enough, and I don't, I don't even want to walk off this stage, even though I've navigated it before. Thank you, Tech. It would have given me just enough to take one or two steps, or to at least see one or two steps in front of me. It's the same with the Word of God lighting our walk of faith. Jesus is our light in the darkness, and he gives us just enough light to see one or two steps ahead. Now, let's be honest. I want to be able to see 40 steps ahead, 40 miles ahead, but as cool as that would be, it would actually be detrimental to my relationship with the Lord, and this is why, because I know me. And I would put that lamp down and I would run that 40 miles, right? I would go without God. I would go without the word. Because again, I live with this. I know me. I think I can handle it. And you see me bobbing my head at you. It's, it's human nature. So it is not cruel for us to be left in the dark. It actually draws us closer to the light. Because did anybody else want to join me on the stage with my awesome LED light when we turned all the lights off? You can raise your hand for that. You're like, yeah, I wanted to be up there with you. Light would draw a person 
So we're drawn to the light. We're drawn to the word of God. In the case of the clay lamp, there's also another property. So with our super handy dandy LED light with perpetual batteries that are supposed to last like 22 years or whatever, it's not the same with the clay lamp. See, the clay lamp had the property of needing to be refilled on a regular basis. Again, it's the same with the word of God. We have to refill that reservoir in our lives. We've got to constantly be going to the word of God to refill up on it. I love the cultural context of that because it demonstrates our dependence on God. So Jesus says that he is the light in John 8, 12, and scripture also refers to him as the word of God in John 1. So watch this circular, circular cyclical pattern. So if God, if Jesus is the light, and Jesus is the word, so Jesus is the word of God, the written word of God, and he's the light, we bring it back around so we have the word of God, we have the light to our feet. God desires for intimacy with us. It's not just a ritualistic to-do list. He doesn't hand us the to-do list and go, here, get this done for me. We call him father on purpose because we're meant to be in relationship with him. It's about intimacy. And that's what I love about the word of God is it develops intimacy. It's not about, here, get this done, checklist. I like my checklist like anybody else. But I mean, you can feel the heartbeat of God when you read his word. It's exciting. It's not boring. It's not archaic. It comes alive in your hands. And that is what I'm excited to bring you today. To teach you how to be excited about it. To develop that hunger. So, if his word is a lamp to our feet, what are some practical things that we can do to build this fire, this light, to maintain this? Because Honestly, I've been a Christian for many, many years, and I've gone through dry seasons when the word doesn't necessarily feel super bright in my life. Many of you will probably be able to say you've been a Christian and reading the word of God for as long as I've been alive. How do we keep the word of God fresh? How, do, how are we ourselves refreshed again and again and again? Well, we're going to dive into it. So, Let's highlight again John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Even when it feels like we are walking in the dark, remember, we follow Jesus, which means that we have the light of life. That is a statement of hope. If you've ever been in a season of darkness, that is a statement of hope right there. When you feel like you can't see, you don't know where you're going, we can return to his word. And the word does not say on page 627, Amelie, you should do this today. Scripture gives us the principle. And when we fill up on it, God draws from the reservoir inside of our heart. And he says, follow me this way. We hear his voice. And we hear his voice by tuning into the word of God. Oh, buddy. You might want to get on the edge of your seat again. It's about to, get, about to get very practical, but very good in here. All right, so Rick Warren says this. 
The Bible teaches us that we cannot be disciples of Jesus Christ if we do not have a regular intake of the word of God. On occasion, Jesus said to his followers, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. That's an if-then statement. If you do this, then this will happen. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, so how do I do that? I'm in his word. It doesn't mean just being in church on a Sunday morning. It means filling up, going to the filling station ourselves and filling up. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 31 through 32. As we look back through the history of the Christian church, we find that the common denominator of every great man and woman of God is that they knew the scriptures and spent consistent, regular time with the Lord in his word. So, number one, the practical step is to develop a value for the word of God. That will not just happen. You're not just going to feel like it. Trust me, most days you're probably not going to feel like it. You fight through that, you power through it, and you develop, you cultivate a value for God's word. The next few steps are going to help develop that intentionally. Number two, invest in the right resources. I'm giving you practical, practical steps. Number one is a Bible. And a lot of people will ask me, well, what, what translation should I get? The one you're going to read. I'm just going to let that hang for a second. You know, there's a lot of really good translations out there. NIV, ESV, NASB, they're NLT. It's the one that you're going to read. I would recommend one of those translations as opposed to like the message because it's a paraphrase. But we, if you want something, you can go take a look in our bookstore and see something recommended. If you can't afford anything, we've got Bibles at the information booth. Don't let that stand in the way. Get the word of God and be in it. So, number three. Well, I guess it's number two on number two. The second thing that you need is a journal. Because this is going to take you from being a reader of God's word to a studier, to feeding on it. A journal, you can write things down that you're getting from scripture. And then the third thing I recommend is a Bible dictionary. A Bible dictionary will give you cultural context. It'll give you outlines of the book that you're reading. So if you're reading the book of John, it'll give you the authorship and, and who the audience was. Things that take it from the ancient world and bring it into our modern day relevance, honestly, because it's not always this one little letter. It's about the principle of what God was saying to his people. So I recommend a Bible dictionary because it also will give you context of animals and jobs and other different things, people in the Bible. So it just makes it come alive for you. Number three is make an appointment and keep it. And did you guys know that these notes are on that piece of paper that I gave you? So <laughs> if you didn't know that, that is there. So make an appointment and keep it. We talk about coffee with God all the time. And that's not because there's something mystical or super important about coffee with God. It's because it's about that setting it first in the morning. It's about making the appointment and keeping it with God. Have chocolate cake for all I care. I won't judge you for having cake for breakfast. That's what muffins are. Muffins are just bald cupcakes. That's from a comedian, I can't remember who it is, so I can't take credit for it. 
All right, then the fourth thing is you're going to set a place. In my home, on our dining room table, I have our, my Bible open, my journal open, and my Bible dictionary. Because let's be honest, I am so human that I will come up with any excuse to roll over in bed instead of rolling out of bed. Can I get an amen? Okay, so I'm encouraging you to roll out of bed instead of lay in bed. But if I set a place, I've got my time, I've got my place, it is one less excuse for me to go, oh, I don't know where my Bible is. Okay, I'll just go back to sleep. Right? It is very practical because I know it's waiting for me, and it's so much easier, blurry-eyed, and I can grab my coffee to go sit down. It's just that one less excuse. Number five, be consistent. Don't beat yourself up if you miss a day, but consistency is key to developing a habit and developing that hunger to return to the word over and over and over again. You develop that appetite for it. And then number six, don't get overwhelmed and don't give up. This is a library. A lot of people look at at scripture and they go, okay, I should start in Genesis and read all the way through Revelation. And you give up by page four. And... There's nothing wrong with starting at page one, but there are really good Bible reading plans because this is a library. There's 66 books in here. So you don't have to read from page one. You can start somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Okay, so that's all well and good, but how do I actually do this? How do I actually study the Bible? I've got my time, my place, I've got my stuff. I've got my attitude fixed. I'm going to be consistent. So the first thing that we recommend is that you get a Bible reading plan. We, I made it easy for you today. I passed one out for you. This is old school. So if you want to be in the 21st century, you can get on Uversion Bible app. I also have that. We have the instructions. You can go to the app store and you can search up Uversion. On version, they have a bunch of Bible reading plans. You can go through a book of the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, topical, however you want to do it. But I recommend, just like you would get a plan, if you were working out, if you were eating right, you got to have spiritual nutrition and a spiritual workout. Get a Bible reading plan. It, it helps you stay accountable, and I love the little check mark on my Bible reading plan. Like, yes, I got it. Okay. What you're going to do then is start with, the, with reading the passage for the day. This is called the devotional Bible study method. So you're going to read through your passage for the day, all the way through. Don't stop. And when you get done, then you will go back through and you will do the, what's called the SOAP method. This is just simply an easy way to remember the devotional Bible study method. SOAP is an acronym The first, the S stands for scripture. So you've read the passage of scripture, go back through, and you're going to find one, maybe two verses that stick out to you. You don't need to be overwhelmed and copy the whole passage into your journal. It's just one or two scriptures that pop out to you. Write that in in your journal. And I'm going to jump back because I know I skipped over this. Always retain the context in which scripture is written. There's a quote by Kay Arthur. She says this, be sure that you support your answers and insights from the Bible text itself. Then you will be handling the word of God accurately. 
As you learn to see what the text says and compare scripture with scripture, the Bible explains itself. Always examine your insights by carefully observing the text to see what it says. Then, before you decide what the passage of scripture means, make sure that you interpret it in the light of its context. Scripture will never contradict scripture. If it ever seems to contradict the rest of the word of God, you can be certain that something is being taken out of context. If you come to a passage that is difficult to understand, reserve your interpretation for a time when you can study the passage in greater depth. So always retain the context of the scriptural passage. Then you write down that scripture. In this case, we're going to use our, our principal scripture from today, Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the next in SOAP is O, which stands for observation. Ask questions of the scripture. Interrogate it. Interview it. What's it trying to say? What, what is it saying to you? Just bullet point out some things that you notice. Here's a couple of mine. When would I need light? When it's dark, okay? If I feel like I'm in a dark season, I certainly need light. And God, you say that your word is my light. The A in SOAP stands for application. So now you would ask yourself, how can I apply this, those principles that I found in scripture to my life? Okay, so if I need your word, God, then I need to develop a more consistent Bible study habit in my life. That would be an application for my life. And then the last, the P, is prayer. Write out a simple prayer regarding everything that you've studied. And I'm going to read the one that I wrote. God, I want to develop a habit of studying your word so that I have light in this dark world and to be able to walk by faith with and in you. One sentence. But when you write it out, it's making this connection from your heart to your mind to the Lord. That's really all there is to it. It doesn't have to be super long and drawn out. But the important thing is, is we are each individually responsible for filling up, fueling our lamp. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in the dark spiritually. Can I ask you a couple of tough questions? When was the last time that you let God's word light your path? When was the last time that you really studied God's word? You don't have to raise your hand. We're not going to pass the mic around. But instead of just passing through it, oh, I ran through, I ran through a street light. When was the last time that you let this illuminate your path instead of stumbling around in the darkness? Developing a Bible study habit, not Bible reading, Bible study habit is critical for us knowing God, growing in our faith, him guiding us, developing that relationship and that intimacy with him. So I want to pray as we close. So just open up your hearts and your minds. And God, I pray right now that as we are learning very practical tools that it's not just a checklist, God, that it would develop a hunger in each of us, that we would be a Bible-studying church. God, we long to know you. We long to know your will in our lives in this world. 
And God, rather than focusing on any of the dark, Lord, I pray we'd be drawn to the light and that as we open it, you would illuminate what you are trying to say to each of us individually and as a church. God, we love you. We glorify you. We bless your name and we thank you so much for this time together. I pray that this word would transform us, that it's not just another thing to do, but we get excited about discovering your heart. Be with us, God. Touch our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, we love you so much. Happy Labor Day weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.